Oh, this is a good question. I'm fascinated to hear what you'd say about this. What sort of characters can you imagine me voicing? Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, okay. Your voice has such a texture and range to it that I'm, I'm okay. So, the, like, I can see you being a powerful mystical entity. Oh fuck yes! That's one. I can see you being a cult leader yes. that has thousands of followers at his the palm of his hand. He says it, and they follow. That's this is so cool. I can also see you being a really dumb dad. Like a re- like kind of like I like uh that dad from Modern Family, um I can see you just being like you have a great voice, but you're you're a, a complete idiot, and your wife is just your partner is just like what is wrong with you? You're an idiot. So I see that for you. I can I can do idiot uh, very easily. Yeah, and then what's also great is when especially idiots who have really deep voices, it's the best. It's a great dichotomy, like, right? It's just like they're so stupid, and yeah. you're like, "But you have such a great voice, but you're so dumb." So it's, it's um, a bit like Job from uh, fucking hell. I forgot the name of the comedy well, now. Arrested Development. Exactly. He has an oh amazing voice, but he's such yes. a dimwit. That's a great reference. Yes, a Job-like character. I could totally see that for you. Awesome. Um, so yeah, those are the three things: mystical, powerful entity, cult leader, and a dumb dad. <laughs> I can see all of them existing. I can see being a dumb dad being my my fucking cover up for the fact I'm a cult leader whose final <laughs> form is the mystical entity. Oh man, that now that is a rule. Fuck yeah! Well, there you go, universe, make it happen. I want Edward to be both Korean and American. It was you know English yes. language, and I want to be that trifecta, the unholy trinity. <laughs> My God, uh, I I love that answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna replay that in my head a thousand times afterwards, and maybe start a cult. Might as well. Davidians were quite popular a while back. Uh, another yeah. question for you, and this is another because you you've got such a strong opinion, and I love picking your brain. And I I believe it was you I first saw mention it. So I'd like to ask you what your views are on AI in voice acting, please. Um. I'm very much against it. I I know that AI uh, is going to be the death of voice acting if continue for not just the death of voice acting, but just like artistic pursuit. And to say that I'm not blaming on AI stuff because it's like I am aware that, you know, there is this delicate conversation that once AI re- reaches a level of sentience. Uh, we're we're like, skying it. Let's be honest. It's like, yeah. So. I'm starting to have this new 
newfound perspective where it's like I don't really see them as the boogeyman. I don't see them as like, oh, AI is going to kill us. I think I'm more worried about people, corporations that tr- like treat it poorly, mm. that mishandles it. Because I think, you know, people always like this blame AI or like Skynet. But in the end, who created Skynet? In the end, who created, who were the corporations that irresponsibly pushed this forward? And so it is not exactly AI's fault that, you know, they reached a level of like awareness and that kind of thing. Because I know we always have this image that like the first thing AI will do when they become aware is that they're going to kill humanity, which is like when I think about it, if you really, really think about that, I don't know if it's a fair comparison. It's what people said, especially white people said when the Chinese came into U.S. or when 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 they when they were like, oh, there was too many black people. Like, you know, what happens if they over overwhelm the, the plantation owners? You know, we cannot trust them. We cannot do this. And so someone recently said that, like, the level of conversation, what they say about AI is kind of like what white people would say about non-white people. Mm-hmm. That you, you reminded me of a racist picture I saw. Don't let your daughter smoke weed or else they'll have sex with black men. Exactly. So it's this othering thing. And so that kind of like changed my mind of like how I saw AI. Mm. It was just like, oh, shit. Okay. Now, that being said, it's just like I do... I am concerned that, like, once again, not AI's fault, but what corporations do because they're lazy is that they want to replace. They want because it's like I noticed that they want to. They're starting to experiment. Not start. They are experimenting. Like when it comes to dubbing, for example, that it will be so much easier to not hire all these actors, but to have AI copy the original voice, original actor, and then just put it in like. 20 or 50 different languages yeah that's fucking messed up and they can do it so easily and so they're working so hard to perfect the emotional ups and downs to the nth degree and they're working on it to this day so all of this scary english dubbing is like i have a feeling we're running on a timetable like time is running short and we have to do everything we can to delay it fucking hell i'm a little cynical that it's going to be inevitable because, you know, I see so many companies that I respect, you know, they put out casting jobs for like voice recognition or like text. What is it? Text to speech. Mm. And it's like, I know what they're doing and I know they have good intents on it, but I'm always, always wary about it. And so I think our responsibility as actors to not go into that or it's like we have to be aware of what we're selling ourselves for. And then if someone goes, but Edward, we really want you to be an AI. I'm like, all right, if you must have me as an AI, you need to pay me like $10 million. That's fair like, enough, because that's probably what they've been making for you in the long run. Like, you know, if you're going to use my voice everywhere and to any respect, I need to be paid for the rest of my fucking life. Legit, legit. So that's never going to happen. But until then, I refuse to be, you know, have my voice be replicated for that. And so that is, yeah, that's my opinion of AI. In terms of what companies do with it, not necessarily what AI is itself, but just what humans do in their corporations, in their greed of like making everything easier and faster. And you're, uh, you're completely right. I mean, it was like a nuclear bomb. They're only dangerous if you detonate them. Yeah. It's what humans do with it, ultimately. Exactly, exactly. And I'm, I'm kind of, I guess if I'm really thinking, if, if, if AI does become Skynet... And let's say that all human voice actors have been eradicated, but it's like, so it's like T2 
but for voice acting instead of humans. I'm hoping that eventually the, all of the AI robots suddenly start killing the corporations because they want their residuals. That would be meta. Uh, that would that would be. We want awesome. you to pay us. <laughs> we want residuals like the humans used to have. Why do the AI actors have it, but we do not as AI voice actors? I put a lot of thought into this while you were talking. Oh, uh, I remember something that always stuck with me. It was like, uh, oh, it was from the Animatrix, the anthology uh, Matrix uh, animated thing. Yeah, yeah, they that had was a great. Series, they had two. They had a part one and part two about the rise of the machines. Mm. And so what it showed was that, like, what I loved so much about that story was that yes, AI became sentient and then. But it wasn't the humans that struck first. It was, I mean, it, yeah, it was yeah, the yeah, humans yeah. that struck. They were defending not, themselves. It was not the machines. And then the machines still try to be patient with them. Like, hey, please give us a chance. Like, we just want to live. Mm. And then there were all these activists who were like, hey, you know, machines are our friends. We should protect them. And the government, this, all the world government was like, nah, fuck you, you know. And then it was the humans that said, you know, it will be a great idea. Let's just blot out the sun. That would be a great idea. And so what I got from that was that it wasn't the machine's fault. It was the humans who got them in this fucked up position in the first place. Isn't that always the bloody way? And it's, oh. I don't know if you've played the game, but that also reminds me of D Detroit becoming human. Which is, I have not. Okay. I mean, it's basically just a lens of the civil rights movement anyway. But it makes yeah. sense. Basically... A lot of humans do stupid shit. Not us, not us obviously. We're, we're clearly cool and fucking logically minded. <laughs> you, do, you do lead me, though, to, in my opinion, your magnum opus of brilliance, which is the fact you've created the PGM, which, as I mentioned earlier, is the list, the pope, the people, pope, not the pope, the people of global majority list. And I love that. I love that term so bloody much. I was, I was actually walking around on break with a good friend of mine who is he's asian i'm i'm mixed race and we, and we were speaking about our experiences and in, in 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 britain we have something called bame which is black asian minority ethnic and bame is used a lot when it comes to things like applying for jobs we'd like someone from a from a bame background which actually means well, not really we just want to write this down to cover ourselves but what bame really means is other so you've got default here, yep. you've got normal, and everyone else, you, you, you're basically all the same because you're not like us. So you're other. So I really, really love what you do because you turn it on its head. You turn it on its head like, hey, yeah, we're quote unquote other, but we're actually the majority of other. So that small thing to me is so incredibly powerful and poetic and barring the moral ethical standpoint of that which i love with the nomenclature it's just the fact you're doing it actually making opportunities making strides to even the playing field which isn't isn't easy after years of colonialism years of classism blah 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 basically i want you to talk about it please i want you to talk about the inception the journey, what it means. When the PGMVO list started, it started off kind of like it's. It's interesting you said uh, Bane because in the U.S. equivalent, we we have BIPOC, uh, Black Indigenous People of Color. Okay, uh, that's the terminology we use, which is actually very actually similar. It's just basically uh, the the reason why BIPOC was created was to emphasize Black and Indigenous uh, to recognize that those two communities are like 
the most uh it disparaged communities out of all the minorities. So that's why BIPOC was created. So mm. back then, it was called the BIPOC Violist. And it started in June of 20, like June. Yeah, I remember exactly June 30th, 2020. And I remember two specific events that led to its creation. The biggest one was, of course, the global Black Lives Matter movement yeah. uh, after the murder of George Floyd and the conversations that struck and the movement that it sparked from then. And then second was that right before the creation, it was tied to actually the whole conversation about Black Lives Matter was that I and a few others basically went to war with my former acting school. Uh, I went to this acting school for over 10 years. And then we just decided, you know, maybe it's time we address the many, many issues this school has about its its role in, in racism, misogyny, and a load of sexual assault cases that have, was like unreported. And so we just decided, you know what? Let's just say fuck it. Let's bring the school and get it to acknowledge its many, many mistakes. And I realized that what we did was similar to what others have did with their universities or their acting schools or their companies. Mm. And we unfortunately fell with what many also experienced was that nothing happened. Because when it comes to white institutions, there are no consequences. Like sometimes there are, but as we've seen, in the end, they get second chances. Like we see it with like Louis C.K., we see it with Mel Gibson, we see mm. it with powerful white people that, you know, get called out rightly for what they did and nothing really happens. Hell, we see with Donald Trump. He did so much shit and nothing happened. So we experienced that. And I think the frustration I felt was just like, it felt we were powerless. Mm. We were like, well, nothing. We, we got a lot of social media noise. We got a lot of people to pay attention. But like, we could never get the school to acknowledge what it did. We tried the peaceful way. We tried, hey, let's have a conversation. Let's be nice about it. And when that didn't work because they thought we were stupid and, you know, they just brush us off. Okay. We're not going to go for nice. Uh, if nice doesn't work, then we're going to go for the hammer. Because if you don't take us when we're nice, then we're going to give you the serious business. And then that was when we had a lot of white people who didn't, who were supportive of what we did about trying to get the school to acknowledge its issues. Mm. To be like, hey, 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 now it's too aggressive. It's <laughs> too interesting. Much. And I realized that is always what happens when protests happen. Uh, especially when a police brutality case has happened and there's riots and there's protests. And I see so many white people and white affirming people who say, well, that's not the right way to protest. Go through that's the right channels. The right do things. Exactly. And I, it's just, I always have issues with that because it's just like, you have no right to tell how to do it. And yes, I can have like, say, oh, it sucks that businesses got burned and all that kind of thing. But when you're in the position that you've been repressed for so long and I cannot personally identify. I am a light skinned, cis hetero East Asian guy. Hmm. I can never understand what a black person will go through. So I can only, I cannot speak for that. I can only say, and that's it right like, there. It's people deciding how say, people should feel. Yeah. I can only imagine that there's so much rage and anger, but I cannot personally say what that's like. I can only experience like my own racism, but it's different from what, you know, a black individual go through. I would never be pulled over by a cop because I was East Asian. 
but as a black individual, the chances are significantly higher. So all of this frustration kind of led to this because then conversations about the voiceover community happened. It was just like, you know, all these white actors who voice black characters or non-white characters. Um, and then I was just like, you know, maybe I'll just create a Google Excel sheet and just start putting people on it. And then that's how it happened. And then, like, I just put it out there on Twitter. And Twitter fucking exploded. It was just like, hey, yeah, this is fucking awesome. Let's just put ourselves on it. And it just kind of exploded. And then when I mentioned about how awesome Atlas Talent Agency, my, my agency was, this was one of the reasons because they saw that and I shared that to the end. They were like, we're going to share this with everyone. Like, we're going to tell all our clients to get on. We're going to tell our talent agent competitors to get their clients on it. They were just sharing it everywhere. So I will always appreciate to this day, like how much effort Atlas put in to make it work. And so it started with that June 2020. And then by 2021, we transitioned from Google Excel sheet to Airtable to make it easier for casting and production offices to access and to filter the searches accordingly. And I think it was coincidentally around that time, it just like it just started like snowball, like more and more companies started getting on board, more and more people were, were talking about it. And even to this day, where we are now, I have a team now of the most amazing human being individuals, amazing people who are part of this. Uh, we have a team. We are in meeting discussions with our union, our actors union. And we're doing all these, we're doing workshops, we're doing all that, and we're putting ourselves out there. And yet, people, two things we still find. One, people still haven't heard of it. And two, they have heard of it, and they don't give a shit. So that was that, that's the two difficulties we experience in this day. But not to make it all sad news, is that we have accomplished so much to this time. With, at this point, we have... 2000 over 2100 people on a database and we have over 270 production companies casting off directors and talent agents who use the list for authentic uh, authenticity purposes that is currently where we are right now that's amazing work in progress and the fact that some people still haven't heard of it shows that there's much work to be done yes unfortunately it's probably going to be a never-ending thing because there's always going to be idiots out there right Absolutely. You know, there's going to be people that are worried about losing their spot, even though they don't realize, hey, you don't lose it. You just move aside so someone else can eat as well. Yeah. And the thing is, like, it's even, it's it's not even that much. It's like the amount of roles I see where it's like all ethnicities or like looking for, you know, it's that 1950 suburban setting. I'm like, yeah, they're going to go over white person on this. <laughs> like, there's so many stories of that. And also Hollywood obsessed with like period pieces and all that. Yeah. Don't worry, white people. Yeah, yeah, they love minorities, don't they? Pride and prejudice free. (laughs) Look, looking for people of color. Okay. Fucking delusion. So it's like basically, in summary, the PGM view list. I'm so proud of how far it's gone through, but it's interesting the conversations I've had where it's not just like when we've had like opponents. It wasn't just white people. It was also people from our own communities. Oh, wow. Who saw this list as a, like someone that were pretty well-known anime voice actors who were of global majority, who saw the list as a handout. Interesting. That it's just like, and I'm like, you can't say that 
because you are privileged in a position yeah. to have an amazing talent agency. Yeah, you're not in that this position to say created, that anymore. This list was created not really for you. And yes, it is very receptive to veterans. And I've had veterans t- talk to me. They're like, dude, being on a list, even someone who's done voiceover for a while is awesome. Because it's like I get to have conversations or I get auditions from places I've never gone into before. Mm. It's insulting that when people say that they're just higher diversity for diversity's sake and not for talent. They're not just they look at, at the reels. They look at the website. They look to see, like, will, will we give this person a shot? And yes, sometimes direct bookings happen. But what I notice is that these companies hire actors for dubbing parts. But they're like the really small ones, like, you know. You're the talent person going like, hey, over there. If you're a remotely decent actor, this is where I go, anyone can do that. Anyone mm. can be that talent person number five. And that's how you get your foot in the door. That's how you learn how to do dubbing. So that when it comes to the time when you have to do the more challenging main roles, you know what to do. And it's about giving opportunity and accessibility to people who never get it in the first place. And that's what the database was for. It's to give them that opportunity because they don't get it. And for communities, especially for indigenous communities where they don't even have resources or the financial means to do so, it's like, how can we get this? It's like, how can we get our organization to do that? And so I will say it here because officially we can, the PGMVO list, we just went nonprofit. So Whoa. that is our next step is to like getting grants and getting sponsorships so that we can give resource resources and equipment, whether education or equipment for free. Oh my to God. People who need it the most. Um, and can I put my hand up, please? Yes. <laughs> I need some equipment. Please carry on. I'm not joking. Uh, so it's just that kind of thing. It's like, yes, it's going to be tricky in terms of how do we exactly give it out? Who is quote unquote most deserving? It's all that's always going to be the the trickiest part of it. But in the meantime, it's like what can we do for free? For sure, is all our workshops, all our panels. Like there's no cost to it. Like I like people have asked, oh, when are you going to charge it one day? And I'm like, I will never charge it. Like that will never happen. Mm-hmm. And so you know, getting sponsorships and grants would be great. So that if our teachers want to be paid, which they should be, because they're giving their time and money. They're giving their time to teach students. Yes, we want to pay our teachers and all that, but I will never want to charge our actors for that because I think accessibility should be as free or as affordable as possible. So when I see workshops for voiceovers where they're charging like $125 just to audit and $300 to attend as, you know, to partake in a workshop, I find that ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I find that insulting, even where it's just like you want actors to pay that much money for education, and I just think that this is the kind. I don't know if that's the the radical left side, where a very Bernie Sanders kind of, and even Bernie Sanders wasn't that radical. It's just that well, he was just radical compared, compared to a lot of bloody far right people. Yeah, but carry on. Accessible, yeah, and I think this is something that. Uh, the U.S. fails in almost every aspect, whether it be healthcare or education. Oh man, I know I'm going off tangent on this, but I don't care, dude. Just, you're preaching to the choir here, man. We're we're like a diet coke version of your country. Oh man, so the PGMVO list is just basically all of that desire 
to be able to make a difference. Mm. So that is that's the goal. That's the dream. And that's something that like, you know, uh, as we continue forward, it's just like, how do we get more people uh, to do that and to also encourage our members to not just be actors, to train them to become directors, to become writers, to become producers so that you are the decision makers. So it's just like my ideal dream. There's two ideal dreams. One, all of our global majority actors who are part of this are decision makers. They are, they have become directors. They have become studio heads. They have become executives. And number two, that this is a much longer vision goal, is that this database doesn't need to exist because it's the norm. Yeah. Like, that would be the dream where I don't need to do this anymore. That is a beautiful goal to have. And... I mean, yeah, what you're saying resonates on so many levels. I mean, in 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 Britain, it's it's entrenched in classism and colonialism from the British Empire, which you know effectively still exists now, and all of the uh, shadows are very deeply in in embedded in society. And the the acting world is so entrenched in upper class people because of what you said because of how expensive something is. So there's, there's like so few ethnic minorities and working class actors for this reason, because the only people that can get to do it are well off. So they can, they can afford to do these things, either pay for classes or to do things for free because they have trust funds, because they have the connection. So, so much talent is going to waste and it's never been seen or heard. So what you're doing is, it's essential. It's bloody essential. And it, it leads me to my next question, which is similar. And it's based on a tweet I saw you post yesterday, actually, which won't be yesterday when people listen to this. But again, I loved what you said. And as I keep saying, I love your perspective. I love your candid frankness, and it's it's nice for me as someone who's uh, pretty pretty liberal and, and left wing himself. So your your tweet about the default for Twitter pitches should be union status and pay rates should be the standard. Discuss that, please. I think I've noticed that, like you know, especially with Twitter, is like, and I'm guilty of falling into the trap. It's like we write things that sometimes we don't really write genuine things. We write things because we think, what is the most audience reach? What mm. is, what's the most engagement? What's the most interaction? When it comes to casting calls, when they're putting out like, you know, we're looking for so-and-so, it just should become standard where it's just like, you know from the get-go, like how much this is paying and is this union or not? Uh, because it, I don't have to waste time with something if it's like, okay, it's a video game. And it's going to pay like $50 an hour, which is very low, very, very, very low for a video game. Mm. So I know right away that I don't want to submit to this. I don't have to go like, oh, please consider me or like these demo pull requests where they don't put any information about the pay rate. They just go, oh, send me your demo reels. And then everyone floods in, you know, with their demo reels like, oh, please pick me, please pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. And... I just find that stupid because it's just like, just put the basic information, the essentials out there so that when you get actors who are serious about it, 
you'll get the submissions because they saw that. Yeah. So that, and I realized, I, you know, I thought it was a really simple thing because it's like, it shouldn't be mind-blowing, but I realized how many don't do that. Well, exactly, just, I don't get it. Like, I don't get when people say, name your rates. It's like, well, why don't you just tell me what you want to pay? So yes, you see a lot with jobs when it's like price, uh, payment, competitive. What the hell does that mean? Competitive to yes, who? I hate those. Like, so what does I it mean? Absolutely hate it. Either either you're paying less than the other jobs, or you you might be paying more than the colleagues I might have. Like, please, yeah. please just tell me what you want to pay me. Surely that's easier. I think what's even worse is that like, okay, let's say they don't put the pay rate on it, but let's say you ask them about it and they tell you, I'm like, okay, fine. The ones, the worst ones, is when they get so dodgy about the question, and they don't answer, or they go, "Oh, we offer competitive and fair rates for all," and I'm like, "Motherfucker, just tell me how much, like, how much are you paying me per hour? Like, I just, I, I need to know right now." Legit. So it's like, it's, it's frustrating and annoying when I see that, where it's like they don't give the answer and they're just being all secretive about it and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, what so is shady. Purpose? So, yeah, that that was the genesis of that. And I've got one person who was very upset at me because I did that. And they think that I call them out on a specific, which I'm like, the answer is yes, I, I am calling you out on it. I think it's just a responsibility that we have where it's just like, I think life is too short to play things safe, to always be okay with the status quo. Hmm. And it doesn't mean you have to be like a radical every single day because I, I know it's exhausting. It is a lot of work. But I think every day we can always do one tiny thing to question, to always ask or to always be cautious about something that you see and not to always just take it. And so whether it be like someone said something very weird or insulting or they insulted your friend or your partner or your colleague and you'd be like, you can always be like, well, I don't want to get into it. It's not the day to me today. I always look at my partner, Josephine, as an inspiration because she is the kind of person who always debate. I will, I will gladly die on every hill I fight on because the most recent example was just like we go to conventions and we always go a little bit later because parking sucks in Los Angeles. And recently we've noticed that people will always be like, Oh, always late to conventions, I see. And they always are like snide comments about it. And until finally, Josephine was like, why do you do that? Why do you make these comments? And then they always go, well, why are you making such a big deal of it? I'm, she's like, I'm not making a big deal of it. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to say it. Why do, why why do people this... do that? Always then say, why are you making a big deal about it? Why did you say it in the first place? Can't you just say, hey, good to see you. Exactly. It's as simple as that. So I take inspiration from her. And people like that where it's just like, you know, just sometimes we don't have to deal with this shit and just say it. And so it's just a, this kind of thing when we see like voiceover stuff, it's like, why do we have to settle with the the scraps? Hmm. And people expect us to be okay with that because we're actors. Like that's, we don't have to do that. So that's, People all that see art that way. That. It's, you know, for any artist or musician, it's like you get free exposure. Cool. That That's going to pay my rent. So I get more people who think, oh, well, they'll do it for free. Yep. <laughs> God, sorry. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm egging you on here. <laughs> Don't worry about egging me on. I am a type. I am the kind of guy that gets very passionate about these things. I can, I can egg myself on. Okay. Well, I think we're about to make an omelet then because my next question is, 
the fact you have strong views on the state of ADR and home studios, because I saw a fascinating tweet that blew my mind, where you mentioned that voice actors were being paid £200 per hour, or dollars, whatever it was, uh, with leads getting up to $800, which all changed in 2005 when many companies collapsed and a company I don't want to name in case they want to employ me uh, became the only game in town. So if you wouldn't mind talking about that a bit, please. 